The following audio is from Sand Hills Community Church. More information about Sand Hills Community Church is available at www.sandhillschurch.org. Morning. Good morning. Oh, that's beautiful. So I'm David Olshine. This is David Croto. And what do you do? What do you do, David Croto? Professor of New Testament Greek at Columbia International University. Woo! I'm also the Associate Dean for Online Studies and the Director of the PhD program. What do you do? Uh, Not much. Not much. Just not as much as you. (laughs) I do throw out T-shirts, though. Yeah? Let's go Rams. We got some CIU swag. But in order for you to get some of this, you have to partake in our quiz. Are you up for a challenge? Okay, here we go. True or false? Okay. True or false? DC, you threw out the first couple. Watching the Gamecock football team is quite painful. True or false? All right. Wow. Good arm, good catch. Not bad for a Red Sox fan, speaking of pain. Talking about pain, yeah. Number two, there's a person in my family system which is difficult to get along with. True or false? True. Nice hands. There's a person at my job or my school or my neighborhood that's a little bit weird or bizarre. True or false? Oh, what Gamecocks need a receiver. <laughs> Number four, some of Pastor Jeff Philpott's jokes are a little bit out there. True or false? Wait a minute, that was his son. That's his son. Last one, which staff member of Sand Hills Community Church is a germaphobe? A, Jack Mandel. B, Malcolm Walls Jr. III. C, Samantha McDaniel. Or D, all the above. All the above is right. There you go, Willie, grab one. It's Jack's wife. Jack's wife gets a T-shirt. Yep. So we're going to uh, talk to you today about 2 Corinthians 6 and where Paul describes his pain and his hardship of his life and ministry. And so we're going to pray, and then we're going to read scripture. Sure. Father, we thank you for the time we have this morning to spend in your word. And God, we pray that you would open our hearts, soften our hearts, Lord, to your word, to the truths found there, Lord, that we might be willing to, to live in obedience to what scripture calls us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me read for you 1 Corinthians 5, starting in verse, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 20. Second hey, wait, Cor- wait a second. Pastor Jeff challenged us last week to memorize 2 Corinthians 5. Yeah, did you do it? Did you do it? No, did, I didn't do it. I did do it. I don't believe you. I did. No. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passing away. Behold, all things are becoming new. Woo! <laughs> Anyone else? Anybody else do it? Oh, Mama, Mama Mandel? No, I see a hand right back there. No? No one else? Yes, got it? Go. Let's hear it. Nice. Okay, okay. okay. Willie, if you don't want the T-shirt, you can give it to her. Okay. <laughs> okay. 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. 
we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. So when I went off to seminary, we had these big, big discussions about what is ministry and who is a minister. And there was a category that people called it. They would say, we're in full-time Christian service, pastors, preachers, missionaries. And then some people are like, no, 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 ministry is for everybody, no matter what sphere of influence you are. We're all influencers. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that we have uh, certain people that we put up on, on pedestals, and we have a celebrity culture yeah. in this country, and that includes celebrity pastors now is a phrase I never heard before. And so we have a tendency to say, well, they're super spiritual. I mean, not every pastor is super spiritual. Some are, but not every pastor is super spiritual. Don't like, look that direction, okay? <laughs> I, you know, you might be a super Christian, okay? That might be true, but, but really that, that distinction causes, I think, this uh, inappropriate divide between those who are involved in, in paid ministry and those who are in lay ministry. Right, and right, that divide right, yeah. shouldn't be as strong as it is because yeah. we're all ministers. Yeah, and, 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 and Paul talks about this as being co-workers or ambassadors. Uh, I like your definition of being an ambassador. Yeah, an ambassador is someone who is commissioned for a special assignment, represents the sender, and exercises the authority of the sender. Let's think about that. So we are Christ's ambassador. So we have been commissioned for a special assignment. You have been commissioned for a special assignment. And so you need to figure out what that assignment is, and then you need to be an ambassador for it, realizing that when you do that, when you go and you're an ambassador for Christ, you represent Christ. You represent the sender and you're exercising the authority of the sender. So to, so to a certain extent, you could say that you represent Christ to the people you're an yeah, ambassador that's right. to. That's right. Now, imagine that uh, we have an ambassador to Canada. Japan. Japan. Wherever. Wherever. And they actually never go there. Yeah, they'd be a terrible ambassador. Terrible ambassador. Yeah. I mean, lots of things can cause you to be a bad ambassador. But if you ever never actually go to the people you're an ambassador to, right. you failed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this as you and I were talking about the last couple of weeks. Is, is I, was, I, I came up with this concept that wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you do, leverage your impact and influence to connect others with loving God and knowing God. Does that make sense? So whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you do, your and my call is to be salt and light, to influence the world that we're a part of. So if you're a student, that's who you're ambassador to. If you work here in the, in the church building as a volunteer and it's second graders, that's, your, that's who you're ambassador to. If you're a stay-at-home mom and you've got a lot of kids and you've got a neighborhood full of people you're working with and you're trying to connect with, you're ambassador to them. If you're an engineer or you're a janitor or you work at a school or you and I are professors, you know, I've got students, lots of students, you do too. Think about where are you, where has God placed you, that's where you do ministry. And, and we have to stop thinking about it's, ju it's just within these four walls. Now, it isn't within the four walls, but it's also outside the yeah, four walls. And that, that's a problem I've seen 
we've seen throughout church history is sometimes it's the people in the congregation think, oh, it's the, it's the pastor's job yeah. to do the ministry. No, no, it's everyone's job yeah. to do the work of the So ministry. you're saying everybody's a minister. Everybody's yeah. a minister. So is ministry, so it's not just for the superstars. No. It's not just for the super spiritual. No. And everyone else is a second no. class. Remember in Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he uses this body analogy. You know, and, and, and Jeff might be the mouth, right? And, but we need hands and we need feet and we, need, we even need someone to be the pancreas. I'm not sure what the pancreas does, but we need that. We need everyone involved in the body of Christ. Yeah, and I'm the nose. Yes, you can say that. Now, we learned from these scriptures a couple of things about Paul's life that I think pertain to us. And the first one is Paul talks about the difficulty in ministry, the difficulty of influencing and leveraging our impact to others. You mind reading verses one through five? Sure. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance and affliction, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. I've been hungry. I am hungry. (laughs) You are hungry. I've worked hard. Yeah. I, I've had sleepless nights. Yeah. I haven't had beatings, not not yet. But everyone has a different. We can, we can level. work on that. If yeah. <laughs> everyone has a different level of experience, right? Right. And pain is pain to different people. Yeah. Um, I love the movie League of Their Own, the girls' baseball team. And yeah. you're a baseball guy. You like the you like the Red Sox. So I know pain. Yes. So you do know pain. And uh, Gina Davis is the catcher, and she's really the star of the team. And she goes to her manager. I don't know if you've seen anyone seen the movie League of Their Own. She goes to Tom Hanks, and she just says, "It's just too hard. It's just too hard. I quit. I quit. I quit." And uh, and then he says, "Why?" He, she says, "It just got too hard." And I love Tom Hanks' line: "It's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. It's the hard which makes it great." I love that because when I became a Jesus follower, I was not told it would be hard. And as I started to grow in my faith, I remember reading Luke where Jesus says, count the cost. Consider the cost before you make it. And, I, and of course, I've talked about how I've worked in youth ministry for years and seen so many times students making quick, impulsive, emotional decisions when, when they, they need more to process time to think about it. Right. Uh, it it's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, yeah ministry is difficult. Um, a, lot of, a lot of things can happen to cause us to close our hearts. Yeah. But what are some things that you think can happen to cause people to close their hearts? Yeah, Paul says in verse 13, open wide your hearts. We want to kind of land the plane on, on this passage because he says it twice. Open wide your hearts. I think for me, hurt, uh, disappointment, uh, thinking God's going to show up in a certain way, praying for a certain thing to happen that doesn't happen the way I want it to. Yeah. My expectations get in the way and cloud my perspective. Yeah. And sometimes God, I'm expecting him to say yes. He says no. Sometimes 
I'm thinking he's going to say no, and he's just saying wait. So those things tend to, the heart starts to, to close a little yeah. bit. How about yeah, you? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen examples where people were in churches where they were spiritually abused mm-hmm. one way or another, and, and they leave that church, and then they come to a church like Sand Hills, and yet they're still, they're still closed off because of that past experience, you know? But you know, that, that song that we sang a few minutes ago about breaking every chain, right? right? Breaking every chain. Well, when we have these disappointments and these unanswered prayers and we're mad at God and we've been spiritually abused, we close, we close off and it's like, oh, there's these chains, the weight is yeah. on us and we don't want to open up. Right. But there's power yeah. in the name of Jesus, yes, to right. break every chain, that's right. to break every chain, that's right. to break every chain. Right. And so God, through the Holy Spirit, can cause those chains to be broken to enable us then to open back our hearts. Wide. Yeah, and when, when our hearts hurt, you know, the Greek is cardia, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. cardiac or cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. When, uh, when the hurt hits and someone disappoints you or you get bitter and it starts to close and close and close and close and close, then it's hard to leverage any influence. It's hard to leverage any impact. And we just want to shut down. And I don't know if anyone's tracking with me, but I know that experience. I know that experience where I say, I am done with God. I'm done with people. I'm just going to go watch Gamecocks, which is more miserable, which causes more anxiety, which causes more depression. And they're like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm putting myself in the center. I need to reopen Mm -hmm. my heart. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think hurt. Now, Paul goes on to say, secondly, if it's hard, we need to think about what attitude do I take when it comes to this in verses six and seven. Six and seven. By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Yeah, I think there's an attitude that comes. Chuck Swindoll says life is about 10% of what happens to us and 90% of how we respond. 10% of what happens, 90% of how we respond. You had a brilliant quote the other service. Yeah, I've heard said that you can tell the measure of a person by what it takes to discourage him. The measure of a person is what it takes to discourage him. Because some of us can get discouraged really, really easily. Something happens in a, in a ministry with a relationship, and then we're just in, immediately discouraged. But other people... I've got a friend, Larry Wagner, who is just Mr. Resilient. Yeah. And no matter how... He's been through so much pain and physical pain and cancer and leukemia, and he just keeps fighting and bouncing yeah. back. And yeah. it's just his attitude is just amazing. Because I think that God allows these difficulties mm-hmm. to push us mm-hmm. into self-awareness, to push us into spiritual awareness and to ultimately make some wise decisions. They're not fun, though, are they? Huh? These situations are not fun. No, not at all. But I think that God helps us with an attitude, adjusting our attitude, having a different perspective, like, okay, this Christian life is not easy, okay? And once I set that, that new lens, but, but if I can have an attitude, of an adjustment attitude of, listen, I'm still here on planet Earth to make a difference, right? I'm still here on Earth with my DNA and everyone's DNA inside of you that God has put inside of us that says, I want to be a change agent. And when you have that attitude, I think it can create all kinds of possibilities. 
And one of those possibilities is, is risk. Like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some things that maybe is out of my box. Like, tell your story about your trip. Yeah, yeah. You asked me to think through some difficult times I've had in ministry and being a person who finds it painful to reflect. Uh, I asked my wife if she could help me with that. I texted her and like, what are some, some stories? Because I can't think of anything. And she sent me a list of like 10 things within like five minutes. Um, and so one of the ones she, she pointed out was, uh, the second missionary trip I took was to South Korea. And I was, it was all by myself, and I flew to South Korea, and I show up at the airport there, and they won't let me through customs. They hold me there because when I showed them the picture of my passport and they looked at me now, it looked so different, they didn't think it was the same person. This was before you auditioned for Duck Dynasty, Yeah, right? you're going to say Duck yeah. Dynasty. Yeah. 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 I almost shaved my beard off just to mess with you last <laughs> That's night. That's right. Yeah. So... So yeah, I, so I, I got stuck there for like over an hour in, in security, thinking I might not ever get into this country. They might send me home. Finally, I was able to get through, but I went to the baggage claim. They didn't have my baggage. They lost it. So I had to take another flight across the, the country, get to my place of ministry. I had to wear someone else's clothes for several days, about half the week. Get to, get to the place I'm going to sleep, get in bed. I'm exhausted. I've literally traveled halfway around the world. I lay in bed. Middle of the night, I feel something damp at my feet, and water is leaking through the ceiling onto my bed and onto my feet. And so now I got this big wet spot in the bed on the ceiling, and so I go and get a bowl to catch it, and so I kind of get squished over inside of the bed, and the bowl is drip, drip, And you slept drip. the whole night with the bowl? The bowl, yeah, the bowl was in the, the bed the whole yeah. night long, here making that dripping sound. So I didn't get very much sleep, and then... So I get up the next day, week went, went great, had a great time of teaching through the book of Philippians, really enjoyed it, and then get ready to go home. Now, when I bought my ticket to return home, there were, there were two tickets, and they were priced almost the same, but I bought the one you that was like... The cheaper one. The cheaper one. Yeah, it was about course. 5 or $10 cheaper. Yeah, All right. sure. So we get, ba- get back, land in San Francisco, and I've got to run through the airport to get to my connecting flight, and when I arrive at the, arrive at the gate to my connecting flight, that's a picture I took at the gate. That's from my cell phone. And that smoke in the background is from a plane crash. That flight that I almost took, that was $10 to $15 more than mine, that's the plane that crashed. Mine landed, and five minutes later, it came in mm. and crashed. And some people died in that accident. And so I'm staring out this window, and you know, air, when an airport is totally silent, you know something's wrong. I'm like, well, what's going on? What's going on? And they're like, look. And they said, plane crashed. All flights have been canceled. We don't know if it's terrorist or what. We, all these rumors started circulating. I can't get a flight. It wasn't terrorist. It was just, um, just came down too low. And so I couldn't get a flight out. So my wife tried to find someone. She found uh, an old friend of ours. I had to take a bus trip like two hours north to get to his place. Finally, about 40, over 40 hours after I left South Korea, I was able to lay down in a bed mm. and get some sleep. I was totally exhausted. Woke up, had to get picked up by another guy, go to another, another place across the Bay Area. Finally, a couple days into this, I got another flight home. And so it was days by the mm. time I got from South Korea back home. Yeah. Um, did, you, did you ever go back? What do you think, I'm crazy? <laughs> yeah, two years later. You did, why? Yeah. Well, one, I'm, I'm driven by my love for God and love for people. Right. But, but the experience that I had there was incredible because it, it was a group of people there were about eight countries represented, some from America, but the other seven countries were Asian countries. 
And so as I'm teaching one of those days, I remember I'm looking out, I'm looking at eight different countries represented. I'm like, I am making disciples of all nations right now. I remember getting goosebumps thinking that as I was teaching, just seeing that represented. Now, have you ever had a hard time in ministry? Or has it been an easy path? No, it's not been easy. Um, I think for me, it's uh, my first semester at Ohio University. There we go, right there. Yes. I don't think you're the nose. I think you're the hair of the body of Christ. <laughs> the second service just went, they just went crazy over that picture. Yep. It's quite adorable. Um, I'm at Ohio University. I'm a new Jesus follower, and I come home, and my Jewish family's just not happy about this. And when I get home, there's, there's about 35 family members in the living room ready to talk me out of my Christian faith. And they went after me pretty hard. They, they did some slicing and dicing, and it was, it was pretty rough. And at one point, it got ridiculously funny because my mom's like, you can't be Jewish and be a Christian. Why not? You just can't. Why not? You just can't. I was really deep, you know. That was your apologetic? That's uh-huh. right. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, okay. But at some point, though, they got pretty specific with stuff. And at the end of three and a half hours, I just, three, three, I just said, guys, I'm done. I'm wasted. And I went upstairs, and I just wanted to cry. Like, is this stuff real? Is it not real? And I remember just opening my Bible, and I don't recommend this because you can <laughs> open up to some weird stuff. But I opened it up. I said, God, show me something. I flipped open to Matthew 10. It says, even the foes shall be of your own household. And I just found that really comforting and really prophetic at that moment. Um, and because I, I was like, I don't, I'm just done. I just, this is ridiculous. So, so yeah, that was really hard. And, and it took years before my family and parents would even talk to me about that. Every time I would bring it up, they'd interrupt me and we just couldn't have discussion. So they tender, God tenderized them over the time. And we, you know, we got closer over that and was able to share my faith much more as the years happened. But that was rough, a really tough time. But I found out, David, that as Paul was saying earlier, you've got the difficulty in ministry. Then you, if you adjust your attitude, there is a byproduct. And that byproduct, third point, is it gives you joy. It gives you joy. Uh, and Paul says this in verse 10. I love this passage so much. As poor, yet making many rich. And I love this line. Having nothing, yet possessing everything. That, that's a keeper kind of verse. Having nothing, yet possessing everything. Talk to us about that passage. Well, when Paul talks about being poor, he means literally not having a lot of material possessions, right? When Paul would go to, to, the, to a town, he would work with his own hands to try to support himself so that he wouldn't be a burden on, on the church. So Paul was poor. He didn't have a lot of money. But when he says, yet making many rich, he's not speaking literally, he's speaking figuratively. Yeah. He's not saying, I work and then you have a lot of money. He's saying, you are rich spiritually. Yeah. And this, this second phrase that you like so much really is just a parallel to the first. Having nothing, being poor, yet possessing everything. Yeah. You know, when, when I read that, it reminded me of Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Yeah. Every spiritual blessing we have once we're in Christ. Now, I did a word study, the word every. You ever guess what the word every means? Every. Every. It means every. Not some, not most. Every. Every. So at salvation, when we become a Christ follower, we have access to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And that's part of what, part of what empowers us 
or ministry yep. to be successful through the Holy Spirit. Yep. So you've got the difficulty and then you've got the adjustment of an attitude and that gives the joy. In fact, one version says this, immersed in tears, yet filled with deep joy. And I, I think that as I look back on my life and, and where I actually put myself out there to invest my life, to influence, to use leverage to impact people, it's produced some joy. And sometimes there's stories that you don't know about that you will never know about. And then sometimes you'll, there's stories you know right at that moment. And then there's, sometimes there are stories you find out years later. Yeah. Yeah. When I first graduated from school and got a job, I was teaching at a university in another state. And I taught a class with about 300 people in it. So I didn't really get to know the students very well because it was so big. And a couple years later, this guy comes to my office. And he says, Dr. Croto, can I talk to you? Sure. He goes, I want to I tell you about what your class meant to me. And I'm like, well, this is, yeah, definitely come on in because I want to hear this. Because, you know, I go through some discouragement. I go through times where I'm like, it's just not worth it. Mm. I'm tired of grading these papers. I'm tired of correcting the Oxford comma that they always forget to put in. So I'm tired of some of these things. I'm, I get discouraged. So he comes in and he sits down and he says, when I enrolled in this university, I was giving God one last chance to prove himself to me. Mm. And then I was going to kill myself. I had it all planned out. And so I took your class to see if someone could intellectually defend Christianity. And if, if, if didn't, I wasn't convinced by that, I was going to take my life. He goes, a few weeks, maybe halfway into the semester, I was convinced that, the, that Christianity could be defended. Mm. And uh, he said that, you know, as soon as he realized that, he went and got help, went to a doctor, got some medicine, and he was doing much better when, when I talked with him. In fact, I think... He's now a missionary serving overseas. That's powerful. And so, like, when I get discouraged, I think back to this guy and, and, and how I impacted him. It was years later before I found out. Yeah. And I'm sure there are many people I've never heard of. I'm sure many people, lives that you've impacted in all the years you've had in ministry, which is a lot more than mine, <laughs> that you've impacted a lot of people and you've uh, never heard those stories. Oh, you're so funny. Well, speaking of old, uh, I read a survey as we close here. I read a survey of 95 year olds who were put on a survey. And the question was this. Were you asked this? <laughs> I was not asked this. Not yet, bro. I got a few, few to go. If you could do it over again, you could live your life over again, what would you do? What would you do? They asked 95-year-olds this. And their answer was this. I would reflect more. I would risk more. I would leave a legacy, meaning I would want to do something that lives on after me. And I really think that this is what Paul's talking about today. As you and, I, you and I understand the, the weight of influencing people, the weight that comes with it, but the joy that comes with it. And so I think we want to come back to the verse that's used twice where he says, open wide your hearts. Because if you've closed your heart, and everybody in this room has probably done that before multiple times, where you've closed it. Someone's hurt you, or you've been in a situation, it's just not working out. You've got an unanswered prayer, or your, your health is not well. You're not doing well, or spiritually, you're not doing well, or relationally, you're not doing well, and you just start to close it. Today, I'm going to ask you to ask God to reopen it, if you've closed it, to, as one version says, wide open, spacious living. And so we're going to pray, and I'd like you to stand with me. And uh, we're going to pray together, and the band's going to come out. And I'd like you to do something in a posture of openness this morning. Because I don't know where you are, and I don't know how open it is or how closed it is. But this morning, 
we're taking one initial step. It would be like a husband and wife that haven't really talked in years, and they reach over and they grab their hand, maybe for the first time. And that, that's not going to solve their marriage, but that's a step. So what, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to put your hands out just like that as an act of surrender. And I'd like you to close your eyes, and I would like you to pray this prayer silently, and then we're going to pray it together. And here's what I want you to do between you and God. Lord, open wide my heart. Would you pray that quietly? Now let's pray it together. Lord, open wide my heart. Pray with me one more time. Lord, open wide my heart. So Lord, as we do this, It opens the possibilities of leveraging the influence that you want to do in us and through us to people around us, to impact others for the kingdom, whether we're a school teacher, a stay-at-home mom, unemployed, a neighborhood full of lots of people who don't know you, pastoral leader, a volunteer, a student, Whoever we are, wherever we are, whatever we do, that we use the gifts and skills you've given us, Lord, to influence people for the kingdom. The weight and joy that comes with that. So use us now for kingdom sake. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Sandhills Community Church. Feel free to share this with others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information, please visit our website at www.sandhillschurch.org.